and welcome to Winnow and Bean Talk EPL week number five of the English Premier League season. My expert analyst, Bean, also known as Entebeco Bayella. Welcome to the show, mate. How you going? Hey, Winnow, how you doing? Good to be here. Yeah, good, bro. Good, bro. Uh, what is happening over in Durban, South Africa, mate? Uh, the last few conversations that we've had, clearly the weather's been up. Up, up, and bright, and uh, you're certainly getting getting amongst it within the spring time of the year. So, what's happening over there in Durban, South Africa today, mate? Oh, mate, to be brutally honest, the weather just keeps getting better and better. Like you know, when you wake up and it's just like it can't get better, and you wake up tomorrow and it's like, okay, well, it just has got better. Um, no, it's beautiful, mate. It's it's the seasons changing. Um, yeah, it's quite nice. Spend a bit of time out on the golf course, so it's um quite relaxing great stuff at the moment not as not a gust of wind it's it's probably the best time of year because it's not too hot it's just kind of the tail end of winter it's not too hot but the sun's out it's green it's beautiful mate and what's your uh you mentioned golf what's your uh handicap at the moment mate uh you are you uh sort of getting better at your golf game or uh i was gonna, I was gonna crack a joke and say my handicap's golf but um <laughs> now look my handicap's come down a bit um it's come down to about 16 now so i'm still not good i'm definitely not good but um, I'm playing. I'm playing a lot better than I was before. Um, you know, um, I'm yeah. Like last, was it last week? I pinged a couple down um, down the middle of the green. I mean, down the middle of the fairway, perfectly. It's really, really happy. Um, really starting to hit the ball a bit nicer and a bit more clean. Getting a bit of a feel for my clubs as well. Um, I've just changed clubs at the moment. Um, so yeah, just getting a feel for it and just coming off nicely. Sounds very, very attractive, mate. And uh, certainly I can't wait to get out on the golf course. Not to say that I'm much of a golfer, but I do like, I, I've got a fairly good, I can bomb one long <laughs> down the driving range. But when it comes to the short game, mate, I may as well just be sort of getting the putter out and just putting my way all the way to the hole. But, um, oh, mate, the big stick's the fun one, bro. It's like that to me, that that's what golf's about, right? And, you know, swinging that big, that's 18, that's, I mean, if you assume, four par threes that's 14 shots you got to hit with the big stick a day so that's got to get that one but if you can ping it down the middle then you should be happy bloody oath mate bloody oath well look, we'll get into this chat and um about epl and let's get it underway cool bro epic epl round just gone by and some huge talking points yeah man it's been a really good um weekend of football hasn't it uh, it has, mate. It's, jeez. Uh, um, I mean, it's been, obviously, we had the bye last week. Um, so it's been a couple of weeks since we've last spoken. Um, yeah. I just wanted to, uh, we'll just kick it off because, as, as everyone knows, you're a huge Liverpool man. And um, I just thought, just to kick off the show, we'll have a chat about that result. 3 1. Um, expected result. And where, where do you think, for you guys, it, it all sort of took place? And, and how did it uh, occur? Yeah, look, I think Liverpool-Newcastle is always an exciting game, isn't it? There's always goals. Um, you know, since, I mean, uh, I was I was actually um, just thinking back to back in the day, back in 1998, um, you know, in 96. <laughs> and the, the, the big classical games when, you know, Liverpool-Newcastle were 4-3, um, you know, happened, seemed to happen with regularity. Like, Liverpool-Newcastle always brings goals, um, which is absolutely beautiful. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think we all, we all kind of expected goals. It was just a bit of shock that Newcastle got the first one, though, that Liverpool went behind at home. 
but I mean, with this Liverpool side, you know, you, you don't really panic. You don't really worry about it. You don't get nervous. We kind of knew that it would be a, a good result. Well, and yeah, well, yeah well, obviously, obviously it's what we wanted. You just mentioned, obviously, uh, Willems scored at the minute mark. And um, then your ma- main man, uh, Sadio Mane. Uh, he equalised yeah. at the 28th and then kicked one late just before the half at the 40th. Um, where, where do you think, obviously in the second half, do you think, I mean, 3-1's a flattering re- result, but I, just by watching a general play, that, that result could have even blown out to probably 5-1. Look, you know, it could have been, it could have been easily won. Um, Mane should have got himself a hat-trick. Um, man's an absolute fire at the minute. He's just scoring for fun, isn't he? Um, Mo Salah's also had a really good game, but Bobby Firmino is at the moment emerging as the most talked about player, which is really amazing. He's, um, I mean, he, over the last couple of years, he's kind of snuck under the radar. You know, I think last two seasons ago, all the talk was about was around Mo Salah. Last season, it was around Virgil van Dijk. But I think this season's really turning into a Bobby Firmino year where he's come on and he's, I think, the game changed when he came on. Um, obviously, not saying anything bad about Divock Origi because he really played quite well when he started. But um, bringing Bobby Firmino on really just changed it because he creates that second goal for Mane to score, to make it 2-1. And then Mo Salah's goal was just an absolute moment of magic from Firmino again. And I think he's just something else at the minute. Probably, I mean, I'm going to go on a limb here and say he's probably the best number nine in world football at the moment. Oh, please. Um, that's, just, that's a massive statement, but I can see why you say that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously people are going to call me out for um for a bit of biased view, but when 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 you look at what he does as a footballer, you know, it's it's incomparable. I mean, obviously, you know, when when you say number nine, we are comparing him to the likes of um, Sergio Aguero, Harry Kane, Robert Lewandowski, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, um, Karim Benzema, all really, really, really top quality footballers. But when you just watch it, Firmino does it's, it's incredible because he scores goals, he gets assists. He drops back into the midfield to help out. He breaks up play. And it's just, it's, it's the difference between, you know, a solid trophy winning side and a good side. And, you know, you look at, you look at what Man City offer. I mean, Man City, obviously, they're a different animal. They're really, really good. They're, they're, they're really well organized. But if you watch how they defend, they defend with 10 because Aguero, or they defend with nine, actually, because Aguero and Sterling never get involved in the defending. So you'll see against the game in again the game against Tottenham, for example, where Lucas Moura has walked on and scored a goal, where Sterling and 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 Aguero don't get involved. You look at um, Tottenham, for example, um, Harry Kane doesn't really get involved in the defending. You look at Arsenal, Aubameyang won't get involved in the defending. Same with Real Madrid. You know, with a lot of sides, whereas with Liverpool, Bobby Firmino is your number nine, your goal scorer, but at the same time, he also drops back into the midfield and crowds it out, breaks up play. And then when he gets the ball, he creates chances for Salah and Mane as well. So he's just, he's amazing, mate. He's something else, isn't he? Certainly, certainly is that. And uh, obviously they charge through to the top of the table at this early stage of the year. So well done to the Reds. Uh, we'll move on. Yeah. This is a shock result in my books. Uh, Norwich City got the job done at home. 3-2 yeah. over Manchester City. Now this, you know, <laughs> coming into this one, we would have said, you know, on paper, you know, for all, all the obvious reasons, Man City, Man City all the way. But Norwich City are proving this year that they are no easy beats at home, and they just proved it on the weekend. Yeah, look, no, I mean, it's a shocking result. You know, it's, it's absolutely amazing because you wouldn't have expected that. 
But when you watch the game, it's it's not it's a bit of a strange one because it's not a smash and grab kind of like what Newcastle did to Spurs where they score and then they just sit back and defend and kind of get lucky to get the result. This was a really good win from Norwich. Um, they played really well. They scored three, well, they scored two really, really good goals. And the third one was from a city mistake. So it's not, it's not that they came in, scored a lucky goal and just defended for their lives. They actually really played well. And I think to an extent, outplayed Manchester City. And I think, um, you know, obviously Man City is a different animal. They completely, they had a completely different level to a lot of football clubs. But when you watch that game, you kind of, you get a feeling that those are legitimate problems. Those aren't just a once-off. Like like the, the goal that, the third goal that um, Timo Puki scored to make it 3-1, that seems like a legitimate Manchester City problem. And, you know, a lot of the pundits and the analysts were talking about it um, after the game and over the weekend. They were analyzing the John Stones and Nicholas Otamendi partnership over the years and showed that this is when City are always at their weakest is when they have them two in defense. And I think, you know, like, like everyone made a lot of noise about City strengthening their squad, which they have. But I think the failure to replace Vincent Company was always going to be a big one because they were, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's almost a similar situation to what Liverpool would be, I guess, if we had to lose Bobby Firmino, or Mohamed Salah, oh, or sure. um, yep. Sadio Mane. If, if we had to lose one of them, we'd struggle. So it's the same with City. They've spent a lot of money, but I don't think they've spent it well because they haven't replaced their defence. You know, they've still left themselves a bit exposed because Emmerich Laporte's out for six months. Now, they've got six months of Nicolas Otamendi and John Stones, which I think is absolutely amazing because we play them, in a, I think, in a month and a half. So if, if Man City come to Anfield with that defence and that performance, we're going to put five past them. And... This is not being overconfident. This is just what it is. But obviously, you know, yeah. put 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 a better defender in the place and it's a very different game. But John Stones and Otamendi are rubbish, mate. I'm sorry. I just, I, I've never thought they were good enough anyways as individual footballers for Man City, but them too as a partnership is, it's average. Yeah, I think, mate, perhaps their, their uh, chemistry in the early part of the season just hasn't worked thus far. But, um, you know, you mentioned some of those names. I mean... It's going to be interesting to see when, when the Reds do play Man City. Obviously, you know, up front, Sergio Aguero, uh, Rodrigo as well. Obviously, he scored on the weekend. But, you know, as you say, yeah. they bat very, very deep into Man City. And, and obviously, it was a bit of a shock result. And all credit to Norwich City. Um, you know, they go on, they have a win. And I think uh, anyone who comes up against Norwich City, especially at home, will be certainly uh, in for a hard-fought contest of footy. But we'll move on. Uh, another another result yeah. which I thought, geez, <laughs> there was some shocking, like there was some really dead set shocking results as far as just like unexpected. But that's what what is great about the English Premier League at the moment. It's th- throwing up unexpected results every week, which m- makes for just entertaining yeah. football. And I thought Watford at home uh, v Arsenal. We've had a chat about Arsenal in recent weeks, and obviously you're the expert analyst on this show, and you know you could probably see the the warning signs a few weeks ago, but they've proved it yet again. They probably just aren't up to that sort of top four level at the moment, especially top two level. They're going to really struggle against the top two two sides within the competition. But Watford at home, they they felt – what was amazing about this draw was they felt they were 2-0 down. And for them to take two goals back in the second half just shows will grip determination – by a side that's clearly not up to the level of even Arsenal, but 
at home with their home fans. They rallied and were man- managed to uh, to uh, eke out a, a two-all draw. Yeah, and Watford should have won that game. In all honesty, um, they had as soon as they went. I mean, as soon as they went two-two. All the chances. I mean, Watford had two or three really good chances to win it afterwards. But once again, David Luiz gives away a penalty. I mean, it's you, you knew what you were getting, weren't you? You know, like we. I think I think we spoke about this before um, with Arsenal. Is that David Luiz will be good, but he'll also be atrocious. Like he'll be shambolic. Um, gave away the penalty. That that goal, the first goal as well, which they gave away with um, Socrates Papastathopoulos's um, little pass atrocious again I get that Arsenal it's, 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 it's almost like a carbon copy of what um, the way Manchester City conceded where they're trying to play out from the back and then just not aware and they get robbed and then they concede a goal it's almost a carbon copy of it and you know that that's just that's just sloppiness to be honest it was not, yeah I did I, I watched the well, I didn't watch it live I watched the uh, obviously the highlights to cover this show but yeah and you know I, I said I, I made the point a couple of weeks ago is David Luiz, you know, has the game gone past him as far as the speed of the game? And sometimes when he gets caught, when when they on the counter attack and he's sort of loses his his, uh, his opponent, sometimes he just gets caught on the back foot and then he's obviously doing those silly things uh, and it's sort of panicking. And obviously he gave away that penalty yeah. um, for Watford to to tie things up at the eighty one minute mark, but. Um, yeah, look, it's it's going to be an ever ever growing conversation with David Luiz. As you say, his best is brilliant, and his worst is atrocious. So it's just finding that balance. He's got to find that consistency within within the defence at Arsenal. Yeah, look, I think I think Arsenal's biggest gripe will be the fact that they've signed a thirty two year old experienced defender, and he's making the errors that that you'd expect from a youngster. And it's just like, mate, come on, you know, it's given away two penalties in the last three games. Which both those I mean, if if he doesn't give away if he doesn't give away this penalty now, um Arsenal get the win, they get the three points. If he doesn't give away the penalty against Liverpool, they still kind of I mean, they still would have lost that game, but I mean it, it looks a lot more respectable and it's it's you know, it it's a lot tighter. Um it's just yeah, I think I think I think Arsenal fans would be disappointed with that. And I mean, I've been following a bit of um the Arsenal um fans in general um with their Arsenal fan TV on YouTube and stuff. And you know, a lot of them are already starting to turn on the manager, which is ridiculous. But a lot of them are saying the manager needs to be sacked, which, considering it's only five games into the season, is absolutely absurd. But I kind of understand why Arsenal fans but are yeah, frustration because most likely, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, there's no end in sight, is there? You know, they've been they've been shit for a while. Let's be honest. Um, yep. And I mean, football clubs do go through periods. I mean, Manchester City were shit for their whole their whole history until recently, until they got bought by um by Abu Dhabi. Liverpool, you know, had a period of being shit. Man United are going through a period of being shit. Chelsea was like everyone goes through periods of being not as good. Um, but with Arsenal, it just seems at the moment that. You know they spent a lot of money, but even with the money they spent, they're still shit, and that and that that must be frustrating, I think, for a lot of the supporters. And it's funny because we all enjoy laughing at them because I think they are kind of the most um, hyperbolic football fans um, in the world. And that something happens, it's always the extreme, you know. Yeah, it's it's always like yeah, it's 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 it's, it's crazy, but yeah, you feel sorry for them, don't you? <laughs> Certainly. And and what do you think? Look, I, I was very impressed, obviously. In that game, that they went uh, 2-0 up, did Arsenal. 
Uh, what did you make of Pierre yeah. Emerick, uh, Oba Miang? Uh, score both goals. Um, I don't even know if I pronounced that correctly, but um, close enough. <laughs> uh, close enough. Some, yeah, of he, names, he, some of these names are world football, but what did you make of his game? Because I thought, yeah, I thought he, yeah, well, obviously he scored two goals, but he was main man in the match. He was always dangerous up front. Yeah, look, with Obama Young, you know you're going to get goals. Um, you know, he did it at, he did it not so much at AC Milan, um, did it at San Etienne before, you know, Jurgen Klopp saw him and brought him over to Dortmund and he did it at Dortmund for a couple of years and then Arsenal picked him up and he's been doing it at Arsenal. Um, you know, he'll always get you goals, but he has the ability to to switch on and off, you know, where, where I think where the first half he was unplayable Second half, he wasn't really on the field. Like you, you, you watch him, and like a lot of a lot of the final passes that he makes are atrocious, and a lot of a lot of this, and it's just like, yeah, it's it's a tough one because because he is a really good goal scorer. He's a really like he scores a lot of goals, no matter where he plays, um, you know, whichever club he plays for, whatever league he plays in, because you, you know, in history you've had moments where a player will do well in one league and he'll come to another league and he'll struggle. You know, we've had lots of top-class players like Hernan Crespo, who absolutely killed it in Italy, came to the Premier League, struggled. Um, you know, we had Pierre Benhoidonk, who killed it in the Netherlands. Um, Afonso Alves, who killed it in the Netherlands, both came to the Premier League and completely struggled. So you do have players that, that do well in one league and come back and struggle, whereas Aubameyang scores wherever he plays. You know, he scores for his country, he scores for his clubs. He's a really, really, really good footballer. But he has the ability to switch off. And he, if he was just... A constant, like if he had the the industry of a Firmino, I think he'd score fifty goals a season. Like you know what I mean? If if he, if he be played, it'd be interesting to see how he'd go go at a Reds or, or a Man City. You you feel like he, he could even raise his game even further. Yeah, and I think I think to be honest, and I mean this this is a bit of a dig towards one of my um my good mates as an Arsenal fan. Um, Arsenal's a very comfortable club, right? It, it, it's not a very ambitious move for a lot of people. And obviously, as fans, we don't understand the lure. I mean, as fans, like, you know, in terms of football-wise, we don't understand why a player like Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang would have chosen to go to Arsenal. Because he could easily be Real Madrid's number nine right now. You know, he could have won the Champions League two years ago. No questions asked. Um, you know, he could be leading any line. But I also do understand his kind of, um, maybe from his from his kind of point of view, where he's, you know, he's, a young male in his 20s, you know, he's, he's like very hip, he's wealthy, he's, he likes the flash lifestyle. So London is the best place to be, right? When you, yeah, it's pretty good. In your 20s, <laughs> you have a lot. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Like, think about it. If, if you're if you, in your mid to late 20s, you're in good health, you're in good shape, you have a lot of money, you're very flashy. Where else in the world would you want to live but London? So, like, I fully understand that. I could think of why he's chosen. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, of, of course. course. No, but I'm like, joking, I mean, but yeah, of course, yeah, but um, yeah, but but to live in London and still play football yeah, course, at a relatively high level, yeah. So I think I think I think you know he's he's more um, kind of fallen into the comfort of life at Arsenal. Same happened with Mesut Ozil, um, class footballer, went to London, got very comfortable. I mean, before Ozil went to Arsenal, everyone was talking about him as a potential Ballon d'Or candidate one day. You know, he just won the World Cup with Germany. 2010. He's, yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, 20... 2014, sorry. Yep. 14, yeah, 14. Um, but he won the World Cup with Germany. He was, you know, he'd, he'd been 
dominating at Real Madrid. He'd been doing really well playing alongside Cristiano Ronaldo, Angel Di Maria. Really, really good footballer. Everyone was shocked, you know, when Arsenal landed him. But then, like, I think almost as you see with, with almost everyone that gets to Arsenal is they get there and they get very comfortable and they kind of get sucked into this um, hip, trendy lifestyle, which is great. But if you're a professional footballer, I think, you know, it, it probably helps to put that behind for a few years, perform at your peak. And then when you retire, go, you know, be trendy and flash and hip and all of that. But I think, I think Aubameyang um, is maybe, yeah, costing himself because I honestly believe if he was performing at his complete, complete potential, he would be scoring 50 goals a season with no question. But yeah, certainly he's at Arsenal, so. Certainly. Yeah. But we'll move on. I, I think uh, this result... It's pretty much, well, pretty much went to script, but, you know, maybe the score sort of blew out in the end. Tottenham Hotspur, four nil over Crystal yeah. Palace. We know Crystal Palace will be struggling in that relegation zone all year. Yeah. And pretty much went to script. Uh, I thought, obviously, geez, it's hard, it's, it's, it's hard to say, but uh, Hung Min Sun, he obviously scored two yeah. early goals to set the agenda. And then, obviously, they scored two goals. Uh, with, it was actually 4-0 at halftime, which, which was amazing. So, um, yeah, this one was all done and dusted yeah. in the first half. But, you know, what, what did you make of that performance? Uh, by Tottenham Hotspur, who will be pushing up towards the top four, but obviously, you know, probably just outside the the best. Yeah, look, I think, um, I think, I think, I think with Spurs, um, you know, they're always, they're always kind of, Everyone talks about how you know much they're struggling and how bad shape, but they'll be there and about. They're a good side. Um, this result was expected very, very quickly done. I think the only real surprise is that Harry Kane's not got involved in the score sheet there. Um, and I mean, you have to give Crystal Palace credit in that they've come out in the second half and they've not conceded anymore, and they've kind of kept. I mean, four 0 is not respectable, but I mean, to be four 0 down at halftime, you would have expected this to possibly get quite ugly. Um, so they've done quite well to come out in the second half to just not concede anymore and kind of keep it quiet, keep keep yep. Harry Kane off the score sheet. Um, yeah, and I think Spurs will be Spurs, and they'll they'll, they'll be there or thereabouts. Um, you know, they're they're a club constantly in trouble, constantly in crisis because their their players don't really fully want to be there, um, but they're kind of. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like it's 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 almost as if. Um, clubs are preying on Spurs at the minute, um, yeah. so it's a, it's a bit tough because because Varel doesn't really want to be there. He stated that two years ago. Danny Rose stated he doesn't want to be there. Um, Christian Eriksen stated he doesn't want to be there. But because of um, the contract situations, a lot of clubs aren't bidding for these players. They're just waiting for the contracts to run out and then just pick them up for free, which really sucks for Spurs fans. I mean, I find it quite funny because I don't really like Tottenham, but um, I think. For Spurs fans, it must be Is there, it is must any be club horrible. in English Premier League you do, do you like, apart from the Reds? Nah, nah not really, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> not really. As I'm just, I'm, as I'm just sitting back uh, drinking a whiskey on the rocks. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, nice one. Um, yeah, like, I think, I think um, it's, it's funny because, um, you know, Christian Eriksen would, would make almost any team better. And I think a lot of clubs know that, but they're thinking, oh, we could pay it. And I think or they think, you know, Daniel Levy's quite a notorious negotiator and he normally gets the most 
money out out of a player. So a lot of clubs are thinking, you know, Spurs quoted something like ninety to one hundred and twenty million for Christian Eriksen, which is stupid money. So I think a lot of clubs are thinking, let's just wait six months and sign him for free because um, he wants to leave. And I think that that's the issue with Spurs now is is that's maybe what's holding them back from kicking on is that they've got three players which I feel are pretty much part of their core in that Danny Rose is their starting left back. Um, Toby Adebarelt is their starting centre back and Christian Eriksen is their best player. So you've got three really, really massive players who don't, who stated clearly that they want to leave the club, but because clubs are thinking, oh, you know, we're going to, we can just take these players for free. Spurs now kind of need to go through this period with a lot of uncertainty, not knowing, um, you know, if they're going to have the same kind of the same team, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a bit tough for them because uh, they'll have to sell Ericsson in, in January if they're going to get any money for him. It's kind of the same situa- situation with, um, with Alexis Sanchez is, is any club in Europe can start negotiating with him in January, but English clubs would have to buy him. So if they want to make any money of Christian Eriksen, they'll have to sell him to a Man City who don't really need him. Man United, but I think that's a step backwards for him. Um, so he's probably going to go for free. And that's, I mean, Spurs will, I mean, they'll, they'll still be there though. They'll be there and thereabouts. I don't think they'll challenge for the title, but they'll be in that scrap for that top four spot. Yeah, certainly. So we'll move on. And this result, I'm actually pretty disappointed with this result because we speak of the big four clubs. Yeah. In London, and well, not not sure I say in the English Premier League, like Man United, they only won one nil v Leicester City. I spoke yeah. about Leicester City troubling a lot of these top sides throughout the year, and, yeah. and that's what they, they did. They went over to Man United. Yes, they did lose, but it was only it, it took an eight eight minute Marcus Rashford penalty for them to get the win. But I thought just in general play, I thought uh, Leicester City did pretty well, and were probably unlikely unlucky not to score themselves. Yeah, look, um, I think that game was a nil-nil or a one-nil to Leicester, but somehow it's ended one-nil to United because um, they've got the penalty and they've scored it. I think both teams um, are pretty much at a similar level. It's, it's it'll be harsh to to hear that for a lot of Man United fans. It'll be harsh to hear that, but I think a lot of them realistically do feel and understand that this is their level um, at the, at the moment. Obviously, not forever because they will get better over time. But um, yeah, I think. Leicester will be very disappointed to have gone to Old Trafford and, and, and got nothing, which isn't something you hear, you know, you're used to hearing because normally you'd expect to lose at Old Trafford. But Leicester will walk away there upset that they've got nothing. Um, I, think, I think Harry Maguire is very shaky. He's a good defender, but he's like, there's a few times that Vardy kind of got the run in on him. Um, and what's his name? Yosi Perez as well kind of made a bit of a nuisance of himself. But. Yeah, one nil was a very vanilla result. Nothing exciting. I watched the game. To be honest, I was quite bored watching it. Um, yeah, it, it is a, it's sort of a it sort of played out. It was pretty stale, but um, yeah. But yeah, to be fair, I, I think Man United pretty lucky to get away with a one nil win lucky. there. But um, yeah, look, Rashford obviously always dangerous up front, but he got he got man of the match in that one. And obviously, we'll go over to a uh, big result here. Expected win, but. The dominance was huge. Chelsea went over to Wolverhampton Wanderers, yeah, winning five two, and they just put on a clinic. Basically, there's no uh, common way to say it. They just were the best side from start to finish. And um, to their credit, you know Abraham Mount and 
Tamari, they got the job done up front, and yeah. Wolverhampton were just completely outclassed. Yeah, and I think I think Wolves. Um, I think we we all expected a lot more from Wolves. I mean, what they're winless at this moment. I think they're rock bottom of the league, aren't they? Or they second from the bottom. Sorry. Um, yeah. yeah, second at the moment. Yep. Yeah, it's second shocking. bottom that is. Yeah. Yeah, it's shocking because I think I think we all expected a lot more from Wolves because um, if you look at their squad, they've, they've essentially got the Portuguese national team minus Ronaldo and Bernardo Silva and João Felix. <laughs> but um, you know, yeah, so yeah, they're, I they're, can they're, understand why. Yep. Yeah, they've got a really good side, you know, and and, and like you, you watch them and it's just like, you know, you you, you kind of expect. I mean, everyone talks about um, when clubs go into Europe, into um, playing Europa League, and then it gets a bit tough, you know, because maybe their squads aren't big enough to handle, um, you know, flying out to Russia on a Thursday and then coming back to to the UK to play away at at Arsenal, for example, or away at Newcastle on a Sunday. Um, the bigger squads can handle that because obviously Arsenal are going to go away this weekend to Germany and they're going to play the kids. Man United are going to play the kids, but Wolves don't really have a squad big enough to to go away to... I mean, I don't know who they have in their um, Europa League group, but it'll most likely be someone a bit further away in Eastern Europe, possibly. I don't know. Um, so they, they, they could possibly have a long flight and then come back in. And, and that, that was the source of Burnley's struggles last season was playing away in Europe and then coming back um, with the same squad, fatigued, all this travelling, and then having to play again on, on Sunday. But um, the problem, the weird thing is, is that um, we haven't really expected... I mean, I mean, we, the season, the, the European season hasn't really started, you know? So Wolves shouldn't be having these problems yet. Obviously, they've had to play the qualifiers to get there. Um, so they have already played more football than everyone else. But it's just... You haven't like they're they're already suffering the hangover. It's almost like you know suffering a hangover before you even go out. You know what I mean? It's like you're going a night out and you've already got a hangover before your first beer. So it's just like you know it's going to be a horrible, horrible <laughs> season for them. Um, they're struggling. Well, you, well, you say you sorry. I don't mean to cut you. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. say that. That's pretty much how I was back in 2014 for about a nine month period. I was pretty much hungover the whole time. As <laughs> actually, um, no, but seriously, if you look back on my timeline. I literally, I worked it out. I probably didn't drink on about 10 days yeah. throughout nine month period. So effectively I was a, basically a traveling alcoholic because that's just what you do when you're, um, Aren't you all that's just what you do you yeah. when you're on the, on the, I put on a stack of weight. I probably put on about 35 kegs. I came back 137 kilos. I'm back at 102 at the Dang. moment, but, um, but yeah, mate, it's a good job bringing that down. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, mate, just, but I do know that feeling, uh, Feeling hungover before you even hit your first beer, mate. Uh, it's yeah, mate, certainly not a great one, but but you just get the job done anyway. <laughs> yeah, you got you got to do what you got to do. But yeah, that's it, right? I mean, what's the purpose of going traveling if you're not going to get on the lash every other day? But um, yeah, pretty yeah, much look, exactly. Yeah, but look, I think um, I think I think wolves are, are they're in trouble because everyone expected the European hangover, but they haven't even had their first beer yet, you know, and they're, they're, they're properly hungover. So they're, 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 they're going to struggle, mate. I think, I think they're going to, they're going to have a If we're really talking in South African terms, if we're talking like yeah. when you say your first beer, like, you know, if you go to the pub here, it's like, you know, I'll have a pint of Carlton draft. I'll have a, a pint yeah. of, of Victoria bitter. They're, they're pretty don't, much a standard draft. Yeah. So, so if you go into the locals down, down, what's that? <laughs> Just don't say Fosters, mate. But anyways, yeah. Nah, Fosters, mate. That's, just, that's <laughs> such a myth. I swear to God, that's such a myth. But anyway, yeah. so if you go to your local watering hole in South Africa, 
say, yeah. so obviously you're, you're a Durban man over in South Africa. What's your yeah. local draft beer? What's the standard pint that you'll order over the bar? I mean, you, you, there, there's a couple, but I think I think just Castle Lager, Castle Light. Oh, um, Castle Lager, yeah. Yeah, but I think a lot of us are now kind of um, conscious about, you know, like our weight and our health. Everyone's now kind of on the light beers, you know, Castle Light or whatever. Or um, what else? Budweiser's um, made its way here somehow. But um, yeah, I think, I oh, think Castle Light. Yeah, um, I think Castle Light's still the, still the, the go-to um, for a lot of people. Um, you know, there's a few. Carling, Carling Black Label does the job. Um, yeah, there's a couple actually, yeah. Hunter. Nice, mate. Yeah, yeah. We sort of went a bit off track there, but that's all right. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> it's all good, mate. That's what yeah. podcasts are all about. But <laughs> yeah, so, so like for Chelsea, do you think they can? Uh, do you think they can mount a case? You know, obviously we're only five weeks into the season, but there's still a long way to go. Yeah. But you look at, as I mentioned before, Tamar, Tamari Abraham. He scored three times. Obviously, yeah, the man of the match, and and Mason Mount. Um, can he? Well, can they lead lead Chelsea to to climb up the, up the table? Look, I think I think um, everyone's impressed with what Chelsea have kind of done lately. Um, the thing the thing is, I still think that they're going to struggle um, because they don't have the depth that they've become used to. But I mean, how brilliant is um, Tammy Abraham's little resurgence? Because um, you know, like I don't know if you like after the Super Cup against Liverpool when he missed that penalty and he came in from a lot of racial abuse from his own Chelsea fans and how he's just turned that around and he's just now banging in goals week in, week out. And it's just like, you're watching this little kid and he's like, I mean, I, I dislike him because he's got an irritating face, but like, you just feel really happy for him because it's just like, it's just like fucking old mate, like good on you. You know, you've, you've, you've come in for a lot of bullshit and you've just turned around. You mean like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm going to do what I do well. And he's like fair play to him, mate. Like scoring week in, week out. I think he scored. Was it two last week? I'm not sure. Um, he scored two against Norwich. Um, he's. I mean, everyone talks about Marcus Rashford, but he's at the moment he's only three goals behind Marcus Rashford's best ever season, and we're only five games in. Like, just let that sink in. How mad that is, you know? Um, That's Marcus, huge. Yeah, I mean, Marcus Rashford gets all the credit, but he's only ever scored, his best ever season was a 10-goal season, whereas Tammy Abrams got seven and five. And it's just like, and, and Mason Mount as well. It's, it's, it's a bit, um, it's a bit not scary, but it's, it's kind of, you watch this Chelsea team and maybe they won't be good enough yet, but in a couple of years, you are maybe seeing a bit of a Didier Drogba, Frank Lampard link, you know, with that Mason Mount. Oh, yeah, my man. boys from back in the day, I love, I love, I love that link, mate. Yeah, they, no, they no. would just complete champions from circa 03 to about 2015 yeah, or whatever it was. But uh, yeah. Oh, they're brilliant, mate. And, and, and that's what Mason Mount and Tammy Abrams looking like at the minute, mate. Like, it, it's really looking like the second coming of Didier Drogba and Frank Lampard. It's beautiful. It's, it's, it's you know, it's really good to watch because you want to see these young kids make it. You want to see these cocky, arrogant um, kids who believe in themselves, who get given a lot of stick by Because obviously, it's very different. Um, <clears throat> Growing up in the days of, let's say, Didier Drogba, Frank Lampard, because, you know, in 2004, there was no Twitter. Um, there was no Facebook. I think there was no like, social media wasn't really a thing. So players weren't coming under the constant scrutiny they come under now. Um, so all these Especially young... worldwide. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, if you read the, the English tabloids, they're always under the pump. But yeah, worldwide, no, they weren't. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, 
so 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 that's the thing is 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 nowadays um you know everything you do comes comes under an immense amount of scrutiny so it's it's really nice to see Tammy Abraham I mean a young kid came under a lot of a lot of abuse and he's just wiped it off and been like whatever mate I'm a professional footballer I'm gonna bang these goals in week in week out um which is brilliant for him and I mean yeah good on him and long may it continue obviously not next week when they play Liverpool but um Long may continue in other games. Um, you know, him and Mason Mount, I really, really like what they're doing. Certainly. And obviously, we'll move on. I yeah. thought uh, this this was a big result. I mean, two lowest, lower tier sides. Bournemouth, 3-1 over Everton. Yeah. Pretty, well, you wouldn't say it's expected, but if you're a Bournemouth fan, you would have gone to the game thinking, we're a huge chance today. Everton, you know, they're... You know, they're sort of that, that mid to lower range side. They're you never know. They, they can do a smash and grab. They can. They are known for sort of really and sort of defending their lives away for the remainder of the game. But I think it was Wilson. He opened the uh, minute mark and he scored the 72-minute mark. But they did level to their through. Uh, it was 1-1 at halftime, yeah. but born in the second half what did you watch this game and to be brutally honest what's it the game to be brutally honest like yeah to be brutally honest i watched a little bit of it and like as i said i, th- I think everton's a bit of a nothing club um it's a bit harsh to say but it, it's kind of like I'm, I'm trying to think of um an afl team to compare them to um that kind of they should be good but they're not really and it's kind of like if they lose it's like yeah you expect it you know it's it's the you want to say they're middle of the range, but they're not really, are they? Like they're they're, they're just nothing club. They they don't trouble the top four, and they don't really get involved in the scrap. You know, like like they're not like like everyone follows the top six because everyone wants to know where the top six are going to finish, and then everyone follows the relegation. Well, if, but like if, if you compare it to an AFL, if you compare it to an AFL side within the last fifteen years, Essendon, <laughs> the Bombers, yeah. they make they make the finals just about every year. But they haven't. I was just reading a tweet just before. Yeah, they haven't won a final in something like six and a half thousand days. So two thousand and four was their last <laughs> finals win. They're always up. They're always like they'll you know they'll whip, they'll beat the top sides. They'll they'll cause yeah. havoc during the year. They'll, I think they won eight out of nine games coming to the finals, and then they rock up. They finish eighth. Yeah, and then they get smashed off the park by like forty eight points in the first final, and then just see you later. So they're just sort of yeah, I understand. Numbers. They just make yeah they they're good but they're not great. Yeah, they're not gonna <laughs> yeah, they're not gonna they're not gonna shake any. I mean, the last time Everton really shook stuff up was when was it? Um, I want to say two thousand and seven. Like if I I mean I don't Timmy know. Cahill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When Timmy Cahill was around, that that's that's when Everton was still, yeah, was still I, something. Yeah, I was following very closely after Germany twenty oh six. Um, yeah. yeah, Timmy Cahill. I mean, they they won. They got to yeah, the Champions they did win the Champions League. They did. What, 2005? Well, no, no, no. They didn't, didn't win it. They got into the Champions League. Um, Everton. They got into the final. Well, no, no. They, they, they qualified, but then they, they got... Um, they, they qualified for the Champions League, but then they, they got knocked out by Villarreal, if, I, if I'm correct, if I remember correctly. They got knocked out by Villarreal in the, in the qualifying stage. But either way, it's, like, it's, it's just... As a football club, you know, every season, um, you know they're not going to be in the mix for the top prizes. They're not going to be in the mix for the drop. So it's always like they just... They're just there to kind of, you know, fill that gap. And it's a bit irritating because 
they'll they'll step up against Liverpool every year. Obviously, um, they'll they'll give their biggest game against Liverpool, and then they'll roll over against Man City, or they'll roll over against everyone else. So it's just like, to me, they serve no purpose. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. And three-one loss, yeah. So what? I think it's Everton. It's <laughs> literally like like when when you think about it, like they could have lost their game three-one. They could have won that three-one, and no one would have. Been like, oh, that's a good result, or that's a bad, or that's a shock. You know, like they've lost three one. No one's shocked. Like that's Everton. And sort of a bit of a nothing game. I mean, that's. I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but obviously they they kind of do make up the numbers. These two sides, Sheffield United and Southampton. Pretty. I actually did watch the second half of this game, and just to check it out because we've got a, um, a thing called. Basically, it's called Optus and. You can pick up pretty much like it's like the NFL style. You, you can watch all games at all times. You can pick up the highlights. Yeah. You can just like click. It's on your like your you know your local tablet device, whatever. Yeah. It's like twenty bucks a month, but it's 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 great for me to keep up to date with what's going on in the world game. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. But, um. Yeah, it's oh, it's it's fantastic, but a bit of a nothing result in the end. I mean, Southampton went across to Sheffield United. They've obviously come up from the uh, tier two uh, Sheffield United have. What yeah. you make of this result? I know it's not a significant result, but it's good to talk about the lower tier teams because you know I think they deserve the fact that they're in um, the top flight. They deserve a little bit of credit, and you know they deserve to be spoken about. So obviously, the uh, Gen Paul at the 66 minute mark got the goal. Uh, he scored, and just a, I suppose a bit of a nothing result. But your thoughts on this game? Yeah, look, I think I think the only exciting thing about this game, I mean, I watched a little bit of it because it was on the same time as the Man United game and I was bored with that, so I was just switching between them. Um, and yeah, look, the, the only really exciting thing about that game, talking point, was the VAR decision to disallow Sheffield United's goal because had that goal stood, Sheffield United would have gone 1-0 up um, and then maybe that would have been exciting. But yeah, it's... To me, I think I think Southampton will be safe um, with Ralph House, Ralph Hausenhutel, um, their manager. I think I think they they're not going to get relegated. They're not really going to get um, stuck into a relegation scrap. I think Sheffield United might just be safe. So I think, yeah, with with these, uh, I'd group them in that whole Everton, Bournemouth um, kind of you know Crystal Palace banding where you know nothing. They're not really going to excite anyone throughout the season. Because I, I, I honestly think do you think, that, do you think do you think um do you think Sheffield United can stay up in the top five or do you think do you think they're going to go down? I think they will. I think I think Bramall. I mean, it's a bit harsh. I mean, this last game because they, you know, you'd expect them. I mean, they'd need to at least get results at Bramall Lane, at least pick up points where they can. Um, but look, I think their result, their their comeback against Chelsea was was massive. Um, so I think I think for them, they'll they'll like to feel they can stay up. Um. I still think the the battle is going to be between Villa, Newcastle, um, may maybe oh I don't know Brighton. Yeah, uh, it, it's a bit tough. I think I think I think they'll be in that scrap with Sheffield United, but I still think they'll they'll maybe have a little bit um, too much because I, I don't like Brighton. I don't, I don't think I don't think Brighton have been <laughs> fair, yep fair play. Yeah, I think, I think I think I think Brighton are very they're very well, bland and all like. Now, now that you brought Brighton and 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 Hove Albion up, they had the one nil, sorry, the one the one all draw with okay. Burnley. Yeah. Um, you sort of uh, <laughs> uh, you obviously talking about them. 
uh, man of match was Neil Morpay. Uh, yeah. He got man of the match um, for Brighton. So what what did you make of that game? Yeah, look, it's another nothing game for me. Um, bland, yeah, and I mean, I mean, I mean, Burnley. Look, look with Burnley, um, they're they're a little bit exciting because they've, um, you know, like obviously after, after last season, you know, they they got sucked into a relegation battle. The season before, they were really good. Everyone expected them to be kind of crap last season because of the European exits. Um, so we kind of, you know, just slightly interested to see how they do this season. And I think Brighton. I mean, yeah, Brighton for me have always been a bland football club. They should have been relegated last season, I think. Um, they were just lucky that Cardiff were just that much worse than them. They, they, Brighton stayed up because Cardiff were worse, not because they were good enough to stay up. Um, I think Brighton will go down. They bore me. Like, you know, you know when you watch a game and you're just like, why am I watching? Like, you know, why am I doing this? You know, it's, um, that's what Brighton are, to be honest. And I think, yeah, the only time I ever watch Brighton is if they play against Liverpool. I'll put them on in other games and I'll like watch it for 10 minutes and I'm like, this is not worth it. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's Burnley I'm a bit interested in. I think, I think Burnley will make a bit of a, a bit of a scrap of staying up. Um, oh, not staying up, sorry. I think they'll be comfortable. Um, Brighton are going to go down. I probably want to say they're going to go down rock bottom. Um, I don't think Wolves will be, I think Wolves will fight their way up kind of mid-table. Brighton should be rock bottom in yep. my eyes. Um, Watford is struggling, so I think they'll struggle with Brighton. Uh, Newcastle, Villa, Sheffield United, maybe, yeah. And to cap off the winner and Ben talk EPL, obviously um, there's one more game this round. Yeah. So what what do you make of uh, the upcoming fixture between Aston Villa and West Ham United? Yeah, which look, is kicking the- off in around eight hours time from now. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a Monday night football game. Um, so that's, yeah, the Clarendon Blue derby. Um, West Ham should be stronger. They, they just should be. But then again, West Ham away from home. You, that's the thing with West Ham is, is, is they should be good, but they're very often not. Um, you know, they're, 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 they're the club that will go to Anfield and they'll put a proper fist of the game or they'll host Liverpool. Or maybe not. They'll go to Anfield. They'll get, they'll get mauled, sorry. They'll, they'll host Liverpool at the Boylan or the London ground, or whatever you call it, um, and they'll put a proper fist, make a proper fist of the game, or they'll host a side one week, they make a proper fist of it, next week get beaten 4-0, you know? Or one week they'll beat Man United, next week they'll get rolled by Southampton. Or, you know, so it's, that, that's what West Ham have been for a while. Um, it's tough to call this one, because I think they should still have too much for Villa, but who knows? I think, I think this one will probably be a... Looks like a one-one to me, but it also looks like a four-one or a five-nil, or you know, it's just it's one of those where you just it's tough to call. I've always got a bit of a soft spot for Aston Villa because I I uh, did stay up in Birmingham for probably around six weeks back in 2014. So yeah, um, even though it's a bit of a nothing town, well, I, well, I mean no, I'm not, I mean no disrespect <laughs> by saying that, but it's you know we talk, we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. It's a really tough. It was actually the number one industrial hub in but, London. Um, oh, well, sorry, in the, in the UK. UK for many, many years back in the. Is Birmingham like? Of, uh, is, it, is it like England's Canberra? Pretty much. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, but, but it's like, yeah, it was the industrial hub. Obviously, a lot of people, you know, were hit by hard times there back yeah. in the day. Um, back in the eighties, a lot of jobs got lost. Yeah. In that sort of depression era in in England, but um, I think Aston Villa. On their day, they can when they get it right, 
um, which is not very often. Yeah. <laughs> when they get it right, they, play, they can play a pretty good brand of football, but as you say, West Ham United um, probably should get the job done. But yeah, Villa, you know, I'll, look, I'll, I'll just go the, uh, I'll go the optimism uh, tip. I'll go Villa 2-1. So, you know what? You know what? Like that, that that could happen. But I've just had. I'm just looking at the log now, and I think West Ham are going to be buzzing for this because I'm just looking out. A win puts them second, tied with Man City on points. Like so, I reckon West Ham are going to be buzzing. You know what I mean? Like they they're probably sitting at the change rooms, like thinking, "Holy shit, lads! Like if we win this, we go level with Man City," which for them is like obviously uh, it's only five games into the season. But geez, you know, like to to disrupt that little um, that little top six monopoly for them would be incredible. So I think they might be driven by that fact. They might just be buzzing, thinking, come on, lads, we get this win. We're fucking up there, you know what I mean? Like, we, we level points with Man City. Up and yeah, yeah. And I mean, obviously, they're not going to stay there. But, like, I think for them, they'll be looking at that log and thinking a lot of results have gone, you know, kind of almost in their favour because Leicester... I think that's the, probably one of the teams they'll be looking at competing with. And they're one point off Leicester. And I think they're like, shit, if we win this, we go third of the log, lads. So I think they'll be, they'll be really up for it. But as you, you, know, as, as you say, with, with West Ham, you never know. It, it could be, as no, you say. That's the thing. They are like, oh, they're, they're a very unpredictable side. But yeah. um, I feel like, obviously, they're mids. They're, they're going to have to get on top. You think like uh, like even like a player like Sandgrass, you know, from Scotland. He's he's always dangerous within the mid. He can set set up definitely forward thrust. He's got a really drilling low ball that can set up his strikers. Um, and obviously with the work of uh, Hala, Ajeti, and Silva yeah. from Portugal, he you know up front they're, they're pretty dangerous. But you just don't know what bloody <laughs> you don't know which side's going to rock up, mate. Because it's no, exactly. from week to week. Exactly, you don't know if it's the side that that it's the side that pushes Liverpool. Or it's a side that gets beaten by Southampton. You know what I mean? Like, like that, that's the only issue with West Ham. But I mean, I've got a few, like, as I said, like, you know, I used to live in East London. Um, and I've got a few West Ham mates tonight. Like, probably one of my, probably, it's probably the one club actually that I don't hate. Um, I actually quite enjoy West Ham because I, um, when, you know, obviously a lot of my mates used to follow them and I used to watch their results quite a bit and like watch a few of their games. And um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see um, West Ham do well just, just to see the, because they're a club that, that like their their fan base is very very strange and it's very kind of lively and very um what's the word like you know that cockney humor you know that all right my fucking west ham in it lad like you know and um yeah, yeah I, like, I do know exactly what yeah yep. yeah yeah like, like, it sounds a bit sounds a bit like me with the mighty tigers at the moment uh, a bit of fucking <laughs> arrogance yeah and like like you like you know you, you i quite like west ham and it's, it's like like you know i got a lot of my mates like that you know, they, they always laugh because um, they, they used to have this, this song that they sing, this chant that they sing when they're losing. Is that sing, you know, you're nothing special. We lose every week. And whenever, because that, that's just, the, the, you know, the, the West Ham humor. It's, it's just the good lads up for a bit of banter, up for a bit of a laugh. Obviously, a lot of them are for a bit of a, a bit of a fight as well. But um, look, I, I'd love West Ham to do well. Like, I, 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 I think back at all my mates, my, my West Ham mates, and I'm like, fuck, I'd love for you to do well, to get within the mix and maybe break into that top six, but it's probably not going to happen. But it would be nice to see West Ham not fizzle away into a nothing club. 